0: good afternoon everyone welcome to episode 14 of the real estate playbook my name is paul your host once again i hope everybody had a great thanksgiving Um, today i am joined by someone who i did not know personally we were just chatting a little bit to get to know each other doing introductions and such uh his name is tom mcgivron he actually reached out to us Uh, to be on the podcast, which I thought was awesome. Uh, He runs a real estate team based out of Long Island, but I'll try not to talk too much as he will want to introduce himself here in a moment. But Tom, how are you, sir? Great. Good having you on, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah. So Tom, like I was saying, um, you and I don't know each other super well. We got a chance to talk here a minute ago, but for the people out there that aren't familiar with you, if you could just start off uh, by letting us know a little bit about your background and your real estate career and kind of where you're at today.
1: All right, yeah, so my name's uh, Tom McGivern. I am in uh, uh, New York on Long Island. So um, for those people who aren't familiar, like they think New York is New York City, you know, there's, it's a huge state. And uh, so I'm on the island, it's uh, in Suffolk County on the uh, kind of the Eastern part of the, uh, the island. Um, and about 50 minutes away from New York City. So I service mainly Suffolk County, which is a big county Is over a million and a half people live here. Million and a half and plus live in Nassau County. And then it's Queens that makes up basically the, the, the bit of Long Island. So I've been a real estate agent since 2007. Um, I quit my full-time job in 2008. And uh, during the, uh, the best real estate market ever, the height of uh, or the beginning of the Great Recession, and everyone thought I was like out of my mind, especially my mom. You know, she was like freaking out you're leaving, you know, your benefits and the job and everything else. And, but I had that, you know, uh, it comes from my grandparents, my grandfather mainly was an entrepreneur uh, his whole life. And uh, I just wanted to get into it and really invest. And uh, I just said, you know, I don't want, I was, it's funny. It's a funny story. I, to get my license, I was looking at these houses and I wanted to start investing and I, and I kept running into agents that uh, had fancy cars, you know, and all this other stuff. And um, I was really kind of impressed with that, but at the same time, I was realizing that they showed up late for appointments. They showed up in like the shorts. They didn't know anything about the houses. And again, this was two thousand seven, two thousand six. You know, so it was like everyone was selling a house like that. You know, especially in 06, that was the height of the the uh, the bubble, so to speak. And um, I started to get my license because I'm like, hey, if they can like do this, and drive that car, and you know, be uh, successful. I know I could do a better job than that. So, uh, I dove in and got my license, no offense to any real estate agents at the, you know, but it's just, uh, that's how, how I got into it. And, uh, so I'm doing it 15 years and I've sold you know quite a few houses and, uh, I I love doing it.
0: Well, that's great to hear, man. So I wanted to touch on something you just said, but, um, correct me if I'm wrong. You run a team as well, right?
1: Yes. So in 2015, I started, uh, the team, I was at a different brokerage and, um, basically uh i just you know had leads coming in and i was like trying to expand uh and i would say 2015 was like the start of all the team stuff you know it really was and yeah but i was one of the first in my office to get to start the team and everyone was like oh wow he's he's, he's got a team what, what's he doing and then now it's like team 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 you know everybody everyone has a team even people who probably shouldn't have a team have a team you know <laughs> so it's kind of crazy but uh you know, it is what it is. The golden rule for a team is basically, you know, hey, you have X amount of leads. You can't service all of them if you have a team, you know. Yeah. But, uh, or to generate more, so.
0: That makes sense. So something you said I wanted to, to make note of is um, I, I start to uncover themes in doing these these episodes and talking to agents like yourself, which is... Um, You know some people might get into this career for the wrong reasons you were talking about you know people driving the nice cars and maybe they got a nice suit or whatever it might be but they're showing up to appointments late they're not really giving their clients the best service that sort of thing and it made me think of um something from an earlier episode joe was talking to quentin dane from uh, dash realty and he said uh i became a real estate agent because my real estate agent was terrible and he's like and he felt as though he could do it better right which And you said, you know, no offense to anybody out there, but I don't think that's necessarily an offensive thing to say. I think it just means that you got into it for the right reasons because you wanted to excel. And obviously you've done so. So I wonder if you agree with that sentiment about, you know, you got to get into it for the right reasons other than just the flashy cars and whatever else it might be.
1: The thing about getting into the business is you think, I think a lot of people think that... the ones that don't go into it for part-time. There's, there's part-time people. They, they say, hey, I'm going to get my license. They're going to make an extra 15, 20 grand a year. They're a teacher. They're a cop. They're whatever they are. It's totally fine with me. You know, um, If you're going into it for an entrepreneurial, hey, this is going to be a, you know, a stepping stone to my business. Or you're going into it full-time to be uh, in business for yourself. I think a lot of people that take that route, they think somehow by default, because they're willing to work so hard that the world will just respond to them and start giving them you know, the business and they're just gonna get mom and dad and get referrals and they're just gonna work their sphere and they're gonna watch a video on YouTube and be like, oh wow, I could do this, oh my gosh. And uh, that's not how the world works. You, know, you, you have to work way harder than you ever thought you uh, would think you'd need to. You have to work really smart as well. Um, and uh, you have to get into it for a reason that drives you. And if that, like your purpose, if, it, if you're driven by something, either, either, you know, you're being pushed or pulled or both, that, um, that's important to have because that will keep you, you know, uh, grinding when you need to grind and motivated. being successful. And, right. Yeah. Motivated. Exactly. And staying on task. So uh, super important.
0: Awesome. Well, so far I haven't spoken with anybody that has said otherwise, so I'm glad to hear that you agree as well.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, it's a no it's a no brainer. If you want to be successful, you know, if, you know, the people are out there that could be lucky, you know, um but luck is mm-hmm. I think you said it before, you know, you said 90% or no, in another podcast you said it's 90% uh execution and 10% luck. Something like know, that, and yeah. Luck is where execution um, and uh persistence cross, you know, that's where you get lucky. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, Unless you're an, you right? have like a, what? Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was in another my old, my old office. I was in a company with a, a real estate agent, and she was uh, very well known in the community, but not well known as a real estate agent. She, she had this reputation. Her family had this reputation, and, and then she got her license, and um, you know, I, there are people like that too. You can just capitalize on your name. You know, she also happened to be an incredible person. You know, she could have been a total jerk and maybe not got the business. I don't know, but she was very successful, but. That was, you know, other than people like that, you know, you know where you haven't, your family owns something or has a name in the neighborhood and then you get your license and, you know, people gravitate toward you. Um, that luck is built on your hard work.
0: I could not agree more, sir. So talking about um, perceptions and things that people tend to misunderstand, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about something that I think a lot of people saw in the news during this pandemic era that we're still possibly currently in. Which is just about um, people leaving certain larger states at, a, at an increased rate. So I know in Florida, we're basically a transplant state, as they say. We have most of our population, or a good amount of it at least, is uh, folks that were not born and raised here, myself included. Long Island, by the way. I know you and I were talking about it earlier. but So I think New York is one of the states where people kind of heard or saw or whatever uh, folks leaving this state. And I was wondering if you, if that is true, if that's accurate, if that's something that you've seen at all, and if so, if you could maybe speak to what might be influencing that at all.
1: All right, so interesting dynamic. Um, the real estate agents, like in other states that are incoming states, right, like Florida, uh, North Carolina, they they'll run ads to uh, in other states where the people are moving from, right. And I think a lot of states have that, you know, uh, because that's just the dynamic of real estate. However, I very rarely, I've never even thought about running an ad in Florida saying, you know, hey, call me if you're relocating or something like that, or announcing some big project or some new development um, or something like that, like a planned unit development or any, it just doesn't happen. Most people, and it's definitely in my experience, um, it's always an outbound person moving and that's just been like that for um as long as i've been a real estate agent you know it's just not uh we're not a, st- a state where people are coming to we're a state that people are leaving now a couple of factors that might lead to that um is you know, taxes are high uh the state is uh run a certain way and um and especially with covid now it's um the uh the, the all the, the counties and everything else they're all upside down um and uh there's some things about long island like it's an absolutely amazing place to live i love it uh great location great uh the temperature the there's a lot going for it. but then there's other things like you know the roads you know you drive on the road in uh, the main roads in you know north carolina they're beautiful you know i was right. just recently down in south carolina i flew down there for a bagpipe competition with my band, uh irish band we i play bagpipes so um, the event got canceled, and because uh, of weather down there. But uh, just being down there, the, it was—it's was just clean, and uh, the roads were beautiful. I'm like driving on the road. And I'm like, wow, this road's so nice. You know, it's like people look at you like what? But people from Long Island know what's going on because you drive on the Long Island Expressway, and it's like pothole city, stuffs filled in. Like, where's the money? Where's the infrastructure? Things like we're in need of that. Um, you know, big beautiful signs in these states. You know. Um, we just, uh, it's just not, you know, we need more of, of that. And, uh, so I don't know, you know, but the taxes are definitely something that's, you know, a, a problem or a challenge, especially on am around.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So what I kind of hear you saying, and I definitely agree is that no matter where you are, <clears throat> whether you're having a lot of people coming into your state or coming out of your state, whatever it might be, there's pros and cons, right. To every state. So florida we're definitely not perfect i mean we're in the news every week for something um so there's definitely pros and there's definitely cons but
1: it's hot down there
0: yeah if this is true this is true i'm literally warm right now so if i could uh give a personal recommendation to anybody out there listening i do have a personal connection to long island but i will tell you right now tom is right it is a wonderful place to live so don't be discouraged by anything you might see on on the television so moving along here tom um, for the people out there that don't know this, I can't remember if you mentioned it up top or not. I don't think so. But Tom does have his own podcast as well called the Long Island Housing Podcast. Um, I listened to the most recent one because I like to do my research, right? Uh, and you were talking about people who might want to sell their home during the holidays, or more specifically, people who are unsure of if it's even a good time to sell at all and i thought you had some good information on there and it's something that people don't really talk about a lot especially because everyone gets so wrapped up in their personal schedules around this time but of course it's still an option for many people so i was wondering if you could touch on uh basically kind of the talking points that you had in your podcast about what the pros might be that sort of thing
1: oh yeah um so the i'll back up real two two seconds the at the podcast, I really wanted to make a podcast that was all about the consumer and not um, so much about me. It's kind of very similar to the, your your, uh, your fifty four Realty and, and the, uh, the 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 uh, podcast design of yours. It's not about how great the brokerage is. It's just hey, this is what we're doing to keep in touch with the folks and let them know about it. you know real, whether it's agents, the the market, etc. I wanted to make a podcast that was about not about other real estate agents or anything else. Um, it, or me per se was mainly about, hey, what does the consumer need right now? And how can I give that to them? So with that in mind, um, every month I kind of look at the real estate numbers, I break them down, et cetera. And then I do other topics. So this topic here, because we're in the holidays and I had just spoken with like, I don't know, at least five people in the last couple of weeks who had said, you know, I'm, I'm putting it off, I'm putting it off. Um, my One of my old managers, used to do this thing for the reasons to sell during the holidays. And I, I, I'm one of the persons I was like, I don't like to be told what I should do, you know? Um, but, so I didn't want to make it like you should sell now or something like that, or this is why you should sell. It's, it's not about that. It's about, Hey, if you did, or you considered it, what would you expect? So, uh, the first thing, and most importantly, especially now during COVID, um, during the course of the year, January through October, you have a varying pool of buyers and people who want to like maybe be nosy or something like that. You know, they, want, they don't have a pre-approval. They just kick in tires. You know, you're really going to eliminate that buyer almost entirely in, you know, November 15th through December 31st. They just, they're too busy. You're only going to get the serious qualified buyer. I think that's super important, especially during COVID that people know that, be, you know, the, you're just not going to get the riff raff or uh, somebody again who's kicking tires. You don't want to take the chance, you know. I understand, but that's one thing you're going to get is a serious, qualified buyer because no one's going to be out without a pre-approval looking around. They're just not going to do it because they're going to be like, yeah, I'll wait until January." Right. A serious buyer, they're going to be hunting, you know. Um, and w- uh, another major reason, another major thing too, is the uh, you when you decorate your house. Like, if you're selling something, you want to dress it up, okay? It could be anything, you know? It could be your used car. It could be, you know, uh, uh, whatever, you know? Um, Companies like to do that, you know, the packaging, everything else. Well, your home is beautifully packaged during the holidays. Most people decorate. So now when the buyer comes in, you're going to increase that emotional connection that they have. They're not only going to see themselves just cooking a meal right on a friday they're going to see themselves cooking thanksgiving there they're going to see and they're going to see the, the whether you know if you're celebrating christmas have a tree or they'll see the candles of, you know hanukkah whatever it is you're doing it's going to warm them up so it's going to increase their possible you know probably their the amount of connection they have and then also how much they might pay for it right so if you're selling it, it can uh, it's behooves you to do that and then uh, oh, the other the third major reason is, um, and I'm sure you guys down there experience this too, you have contingent buyers and non-contingent buyers. So if you as a seller can capitalize now, especially in this market, which is here on Long Island, is, it's a tough market, uh, great for sellers, um, and actually sell your house or be in contract, when you go to buy something, let's say you go to buy in, in uh, you know, April, May, or June, You'll uh, won't be a non-contingent buyer, and that's huge because contingent buyer meaning you have to you have a home to sell. Let's say, right? You don't want to be that that buyer in April, May, June when you really want to buy a house, and oh, oh, I have this house to sell. Your your offers are not going to they will still be there, but they're not going to be as good as the person who doesn't have a home to sell. So that's a huge one, huge advantage to uh, sellers who want to make it happen, uh, and uh, with that comes to the flexibility because buyers right now, let's say you've got your home and contract in December and you say, I don't want to close until April 30th. Guess what? You're going to have buyers, especially now they're going to be like, Oh yeah, no problem. You know, closing April 30th. You want May 30th. Don't worry about it. They, they want to lock up your house and contract because yeah. they want to buy something. But, uh, so those are the main reasons. And, you know, I think the podcast, uh, is, you know, I designed it so that it's for people to listen to and get information out of
0: Well, I can say, and I I say this probably every episode, but as somebody who is not a real estate agent, right, and also somebody who was recently in the rental market and, you know, I'm looking long-term to purchase a home, this is all stuff that I had never considered. I mean, obviously, I'm in a different position being on the buy side, right, but if I was looking to sell my home at any point during this crazy one, potentially will be two-year period that we've had of a seller's market, those would be the three things you just listed things that I would want to capitalize on that again, I had never heard before. I mean, the first one is a strong point in and of itself, right? I mean, you don't have people who are just, you know, on the weekend. Hey, let me look at Zillow cause they're busy with other things. So like you said, you have those serious buyers and I think they're probably chomping at the bit. And that's a great point for people who, so just from what I'm hearing, I think people out there who might still be on the fence about possibly selling their home now might be a great time. Um, And if you're looking for more useful information like that, check out Tom's podcast. We'll put the links and everything down below as well. But thanks for expanding on that, Tom. That's all great information. So um, talking about the market and market conditions and things like that, as far as I know, um, just from seeing other episodes that Joe's done with um, his realtor friends that are out of state, um, market conditions are pretty prevailing across the entire country right now. I think we're all pretty much still living in this seller's market. As far as what I've heard from other people, they don't predict it bursting anytime soon, or they don't predict that correcting itself in a dramatic way anytime soon. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you're seeing out there in Long Island, if it is kind of mirroring what we're seeing here and just how that might be affecting your business.
1: On my podcast, I talked about the the bubble and all that other stuff and the differences between what this market is and what that market was. And I always I always mention the movie The Big Short. It's a great Great movie, it's a great movie. About, uh, it's so good, right? So, um, the uh, anyways, that portrays really what was going on. I love the mortgage brokers in that movie, too. I, I just think they're just hysterical because they represent so much of what was going on then. And you see that with other things. Now, I won't mention anything, but I had a conversation about a, a lead generation source online. I'm going off on a tangent here, but uh, with another agent, and the things he was saying about this online lead generation thing, which is destroying our value as realtors. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, I closed uh, so many deals and blah, 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 and I got, you know, it's great. And, you know, I'm like, and I, all I did was I wrote in like the big short. It was like, a, I was on social media and I said, you can remind me of the mortgage guys, and I put a clip up of them talking because you can get so wrapped up into, into stuff um, and uh, become part of the problem. So. The, uh, the first thing I tell every buyer is you're gonna pay top dollar in this market. I put it in an email, I put it in a text and I speak and I talk to them and I let them know because I want them to know that I know you're doing this and um, I don't want to steer you wrong okay And um, because I never sold a home in 2006. okay I only sold like one house in 2007. I, just, I started selling in 08 and I used to tell, the, the people then, the buyers then, this is a long-term strategy. And I say the same things now because I knew in 08, the market was going to keep going down. I didn't know it was going to last until 2013. But <laughs> be that as it may, I always want to be very realistic with, uh, with folks, letting them know that real estate is a long-term strategy. So if you're buying in this market, uh, the market is super intense. It is, uh, it, if you approach it like, you make an offer and you're going to get this house and you're going to be so downtrodden if you don't get it, you know, you're in for some real, you know, uh, gut shots because it's not, this is a tough market. If you approach it like, Hey, I'm having, I'm I'm going to do my best. I'm have some fun with my real estate agent and I'm going to learn a lot and I'm going to get the right house at the right time. And you know, then you're in a much better position, you know, emotionally to make it uh, a better experience. Uh, because it can be very stressful. So yeah, here in Long Island, we have um, less than 2,900 homes for sale. Last I checked, uh, out of se- almost 700,000 units, right? Wow. Total, yeah, with 2,900. Go back to 2008, we had 18,000. 2009 on Long Island was 45,000 homes for sale at one point. Now we are under 8,000, I think total. That's between Queens, Nassau, and Suffolk. So it's a very challenging market. It's challenging for sellers who want to buy something, but definitely doable if things are handled, you know, the right way. And I, I would say now more than ever, the one thing I would tell anyone watching anywhere in the 50 states, if you're in a tough market, and now more than ever, do not, and I, I hate to say this because I, I want to I, I don't want people to, you know, new ages to get discouraged, but if you're a consumer, you should work with someone who has experience. If they're not experienced, or a team, right? If they're a team leader who's intimately involved with a new agent, fine, that's good. But if you're new, you can't use it. You cannot afford to do that because they're going to screw things up way too much, and you're going to be, you know, um, not in a good position. You know, whether you're selling or buying. Uh, so, experienced realtors right now very valuable.
0: Absolutely. So, something that I was thinking of while you were saying that is. Um... Uh, a motto that I tend to go by which on its face might seem pessimistic but I see it more as realistic which is just if you set your expectations very low you will not be disappointed by much right <laughs> so yeah exactly like you were saying about you know people who are very gung ho and they you know on the buying side and they are like yeah they think they're going to get the first house that they love that they see and you might you very well might it's a possibility but i think it's definitely a useful tool to be like not to get ahead of yourself, basically, right? So I think that's kind of in line with what you're saying, and I also agree with your advice about um, having an experienced agent. I mean, there's obviously a lot of new agents out there, and my advice to them, just based on what I know, would be get you know identify yourself with a brand or a team or a mentor or whatever it might be who has that experience, has the tools and resources to back you up, so that you're you know you can present as a more <clears throat> experienced than you might actually be, which can help you down the line. But um, I definitely agree. I mean, and there's plenty of agents out there who can help you get the top dollar for your house. So um, great advice there, Tom. Um, so I wanted to get into some more some more stuff about you specifically here at the end. So again, coming from my research on your website, you have a quote uh, or a blurb rather about confidence. And I'm going to read it, but I'm probably going to put it on the screen as well. And you say, uh, confidence comes from the Latin word fidere. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but that means to trust. Uh, And therefore having self-confidence is having trust in oneself. And I thought that was interesting. It piqued my attention because um, You know, I interact with a lot of agents on a daily basis and We get to talking about what is it that makes an agent like what are the key Characteristics or qualities that you need to have or that you should have or that you should strive for and I think you putting confidence on your website Speaks to what you believe in. So, I was wondering if you could expand on that and how important you think it is to be self confident as a real estate agent.
1: Yeah. So, for real estate agents, um, and this is going to be a kind of like something that a new agent can run with, uh, as um, if you know your value, what value you bring, that value component, no matter what it is, it could be your positive attitude. Like, it could be somebody be crazy positive, man, like, we're getting this, you know, or, and not be false positive, but a positive energy, whatever it is. If you have a value component, you need to attach yourself to that. Cause if you know that, Hey, that's my thing, then that's going to help you feel like you trust yourself because you have this value advantage um, and uh, offering to a consumer or client. the Yeah. You want to be, we all want to be productive. It's it's not even like it's about making money and you want to make money and everything else, especially as a new agent uh, or an agent ever. <laughs> but you also want to be productive. You know, when the phone's not ringing and you're just sitting around and the, the emails aren't coming in or whatever the situation is, you need to make it happen. You need to go out there and, and do that. And the only way you're going to do that is say, Hey, I am, I trust the process. I trust myself. I trust my value component that I can provide to the, the, uh, this uh, seller, a buyer, my my target uh, audience. And uh, the more you trust that process, you trust yourself, and you can carry yourself with confidence because confidence is going to get you through the um, times where, you know, times are tough. Deals die. I remember like back in 2010, I had, uh, it was my worst string. It was like March, 2010. I had nine deals die and I had, like 12 or 13 in contract. And that was like, that will uh, really test you bad, you know? And I, and I've had deals done anything else, but I'll never forget that. And I ended up making the most amount of money I've ever had in uh, 2010, 2011. Um, and then I did it again. And um, you know, s- you know, 15, 16, 17, um, 18, um, but back then that was the most amount of money I ever made. And that was my nine month nine deals dead, you know, but I had the confidence. I trusted myself. I trusted the the process and my value component, um, for a proposition, you want to get a unique selling proposition, whatever it is. Um, it's important to have that as it'll get you through.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. And it's, um, not to sound like a book of proverbs or whatever, but, uh, Yeah, fake it till you make it if you must, you know, because you might not feel that self-confidence. But like you're saying, if you just think, I know what I'm doing, or I know I have a team of people who can help me get through this or whatever it might be, that will show. You'll project that, right? Um, And then to your point about um, sticking to the one thing that is your strength or whatever it might be. I mean, we have... Realtors that make a whole brand out of that. We just had a training here at our brokerage about you know branding yourself and marketing and that sort of thing. And um there was a point in there about finding that one unique thing about you and letting that really shine through. So you might not be the realtor that has every you know uh tool in their toolkit, but you might have a really good hammer. You know what I'm saying? So stick to that hammer.
1: Yeah, the so range screwdrivers, none of them work, but the yeah. hammer.
0: works. but hey, let me tell you, the hammer's good, man. We. <laughs> Not to digress too much, but we literally have uh, some agents, two agents with the last name Hammer. So it's funny that I would have chosen Hammer as a tool. <laughs> um, so great advice there, Tom. Uh, great points all around. I just had two closing questions for you here, sir, and these are ones that uh, you know we do on every podcast. So uh, the second to last one is: if you had not chosen real estate as your career, if you could go back in time pre two thousand and seven, and you had to choose something else, what would you see yourself doing?
1: So my manager. Um, my, one of my old uh, ex manager, he was a great guy, but he always used to say, I could never see myself doing anything other than real estate. And, uh, it always ranked true, but that was him, you know? And I always looked at it and said, you know, um, you know, having a different, he had an MBA too, but like, he just, like real estate was like, that was his thing. Math made sense. And, you know, just the world kind of came together for him. Me, um. At this point in my life, definitely, I don't see myself doing anything else. However, I did go to school. I went to uh, I got a master's degree in uh, counseling, and I got a uh, certificate of guidance counseling. And I wanted to do that, but something told me, "Hey, I I don't want to make seventy thousand dollars a year. I'd really like to make seventy thousand dollars a month." And that's kind of took me in that. That's why I got involved in real estate. Uh, So the, you know, I but I do enjoy talking with people and that's an extension of that training. That was my background. Um I used to do drug and alcohol counseling. I did uh, I was a behavior therapist before that. And I would write behavior programs and work with staff to help them from like hitting themselves in the head, scratching their skin, all that stuff. And I, I really enjoyed a lot of that. And uh, So I could, you know, if I didn't do this, I would either be doing that, I'd be a supervisor there, or I would be a guidance counselor. So, you know, working with kids and stuff, really good stuff.
0: Yeah, that clicks for me, uh, what you're saying, because I mean, there are definitely different scenarios, of course, but real estate or counseling or whatever it might be in both scenarios, you're, you're helping somebody at the end of the day, right? So there's a overarching theme there. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Any agent will say, you know, you're, you're, you're like a part time psychotherapist. Oh, Therapist, yeah. you know, even though, you know, you just got to be there for the client, listen to them. Yeah, and the better you are at that, you know, uh, using your two ears more than your you know, your one mouth, you'll be servicing them a lot better, especially if you hang in there with them, meet them at their level, really listen to what they have to say. That's super important. And you know, that's probably one of my that is one of my value components is that I do that. It's just hard to convey in, in marketing and stuff. So I don't talk about it as much. But
0: yeah.
1: It's something that uh I have an advantage, I think, over some agents.
0: No, I think that's that's a great uh, skill to have. I mean some people probably because uh, I'm sure it's, again, not an agent, but I'm just guessing. At some point along the process, I'm sure people tend to get overwhelmed, stressed out, whatever it might be. And, you know, that... Confused. Yeah, and that barrier of, like, client-agent uh, sort of dissolves at some point, I would think, depending, especially depending on how long you're working with somebody. Like, So I'm sure they tend to unload on you guys a lot uh, emotionally. So I definitely think that's a great skill to have, just navigating that. So... So, Tom, my, my closing question, which is the classic closing question on this podcast, uh, if you could speak directly to all the new agents out there or all the agents who might be struggling, whatever it might be, and give them some kind of advice, what would you say?
1: It's funny that you close with this because um, I write as a hobby a, uh, a blog, and the blog is uh, it's called Bang the Phones. And uh, I, I launched it a few years ago, and I had a lot of real estate agents locally, especially to my office and my company they were all like, bang the phones, baby. You know, it was like a funny thing. And I created it to try and actually recruit other agents to join my team uh, because I was offering training, you know, because that was, I think training is one of the, it's so important. And um, a lot of brokerages, you know, they try to put that training component in, but it, it, it may not be as comprehensive as let's say a new agent needs. So um, I put stuff there for free and um, it's a, uh, you know, from, you know, your unique, you know, developing unique selling proposition um, and really focusing on that is super important. Stuff like how, you know, scripts for like how to cool your sphere of influence. You know, it's one thing to have the component to say, do this, this, and this, but it's, hey, how do I do that? How do I say it? How do I write a personal note? How do I write a letter um, that, you know, represents me and all that. And that goes back to the component of the blog, which is straight up free information for, for agents to, uh, to grab this. So, um, but I I would say overall, one of the things that you're going to need to develop as an agent is your, your, your value. What value do you bring? Because when you sit in with a buyer or a seller, if you know that in here, it's not about selling it, it's about owning it. And if you own it, that gives you that little bit of confidence, that little bit of know, you know, what to say, when to say it kind of thing. Um, you're going to need that. And the second thing I would say is your training, your, your re- practicing, practice, drill, rehearse. Uh, the things that another broker would say, Hey, you know, knowing all those little things like, uh, you know, what to say when a buyer says this or what to say, or how to, you know, talk about this disclosure or something like that, how to say, um, you know, not uh, listing agreement, but, Paperwork or use different words and things like that that help smooth a process and a selling process. Because um, the selling process is just the ball moving forward, right? Um, uh, so, those are the two things I would say most agents are going to need is that value, knowing it, owning it, and then training, just drill rehearse constantly, nonstop, over and over again, how to ask for a referral, how to network, um, knowing you know, what to say to a forced sell by owner. If you're going to call a forced sell by owners, you're going to door knock, you know, how to take, you know, help somebody's guard, put them, have them guard drop for just 30 seconds so that you can have that window where you make that connection, hand them a business card and it's safe to do that. So they're not, you know, like mad at you or whatever. <laughs> uh, super important. that stuff is like, and it, and it makes it easier for you then to go and hand out a flyer and say, hey, we have an open house, you know, just start, I listed the house around the corner, here you go. And not just give them the piece of paper, but get an e- get an email, get a phone number, take the conversation just a little bit further so that it becomes value to them and to you. Because handing them a piece of paper, they're gonna throw it in the garbage. But if you hand a piece of paper and, and talk about your email list and how you're doing X, Y, and Z in the neighborhood, they might go, Oh yeah, I'll give you my email. Boom, there you go. Now you have someone that can put in your you know, your CRM and everything else, which is probably the third thing you should have, which is
0: your CRM yeah. up in Even I know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great advice, Tom. So um, number one, you know, find that thing within yourself. Number two, don't be afraid to look for training and things like that. So I think your blog is a great resource because, um, you know, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier before we recorded, but people, especially in this business, get hit with like information overload, you know, email, social media, whatever it might be. So it's good to have all that in one place. And uh, we'll definitely put that either on the screen or in the description or both. So check out Tom's blog. I'm sure there's a lot of good stuff on there. I'll probably have to check it out myself as well. And, um, before we wrap here, Tom, I just wanted to say first, thank you very much for coming on. Um, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And then secondly, if the people out there in long Island want to buy or sell with your uh, team, how can they reach you?
1: My cell phone's six, three, one, eight, three, one, nine, zero, four, eight. Best way to reach me. And the, uh, best link. I'm going to give you my link tree. Everyone uses a link tree. I think they're fantastic yeah that's uh, the link tr.ee slash and it's my name tom mcgivern uh you can get everything there boom follow me on instagram be awesome
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely and we'll you know we'll tag you in the post and everything so guys make sure you go check out tom's links it's a lot of good information there and check out his podcast as well There's some good stuff i was just listening to it earlier um but i guess that's it my friend again i really appreciate you coming on i hope uh, everything goes well for you for the rest of the day
1: hey I, I appreciate you having me and I think what uh fifty four realty is doing uh I love the instagram I love the uh the podcast I just think it's a great uh component for them to to have you hosting this and uh, uh the owner too hosting the podcast it's uh just you know good information and uh a good marketing approach to uh getting your the word out there about the company it's
0: good stuff thanks Tom well I'll blush for everyone on behalf of everyone. <laughs> Really appreciate you, sir. Have a great rest of your day, all right? Take it easy, man. Take care. Happy holidays. Long Island, hold it down. All right, that was Tom McGivron of the McGivron team uh, up in Long Island, New York. It was a great episode. I, I think he gave some really good advice there. And I also thought it was a cool situation that you know we had Tom reach out to say he wanted to be on the podcast because up until now, it's just been people we'd known. So it's nice to get a perspective from somebody that you don't really get to hear from that often, especially because we, I don't think have had anybody from New York on this uh, podcast yet. So it was all good information there. Um, I'm going to put all his links in his podcast, his blog and everything down in the description. So make sure you guys go check all of that out. It's some really good stuff on there. I've been looking at it myself, like I was saying. And um, let's see housekeeping stuff. This is episode 14 The newest update for you guys is that uh, Spotify has granted us, in their divine ways, with the opportunity to uh, do video podcasts on Spotify. So um, they only grant that to a select few podcasts. I'm not sure exactly how they qualify it, but all I know is I had to apply and they approved us, so now you can actually watch the videos on Spotify as well, instead of just the audio version. Um, That's the newest thing. Uh, Everything else is the same as usual. So Instagram, Facebook, at The Real Estate Playbook. Make sure to give us a follow. Uh, Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like us on Spotify, obviously. Uh, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. The website, as always, is therealestateplaybook.com. You can see the most recent episode and submit a form to be on the show if you'd like, like Tom. Um, I think that's pretty much it. And um, I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. And we will see you next week. Take care.